That's the sound of a Palestinian man in the contested Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood of East Jerusalem earlier this week. He was threatening to set himself and his house on fire if Israeli officials proceeded with their plan to demolish his family's compound. He didn't follow through, but the Jerusalem municipality did, and workers demolished and then bulldozed the family's home on Wednesday. It was the first eviction in the area since 2017. The ongoing conflict over who owns the land in the historic zone led to last spring's war between Israel and Hamas in May. J-Space Canada issued a statement on Twitter condemning what it called the forced displacement of Palestinians, and it described Jerusalem's actions this week as unnecessarily cruel and deeply unjust. Their outrage comes just days before J-Space Canada was set to mark its 10th anniversary, with an online conference on Sunday, including a tribute gala to mark the departure of longtime President Dr. Karen Mock at the helm of the progressive Jewish organization. Mock is a veteran human rights campaigner and anti-racism educator. Now she's in her late 70s, and she wants to make way for younger blood, especially Jewish Canadians who are attracted to the values of love for Israel, but on the condition that human rights are respected for both sides in the Israel-Palestinian conflict. And the proportion, the percentage of the young people who feel more like us is increasing. The data have shown us that. The policies in our community need to be data-driven, not because some group wants power or somebody has some ideology that they want to foist on others, or they only want to take some facts of history and not the whole history. We've got to take a big picture approach, and then I can sleep a little better. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, January 20th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Karen Mock is packing up the home she and her family have lived in for many years in Toronto, and as part of all this downsizing, She's starting to donate her papers and books that she's amassed over her decades-long career doing pioneering work on multiculturalism and race relations in Canada. And she's writing her farewell speech that she'll give this weekend as the guest of honour at J-Space Canada's virtual symposium and gala. They're calling the event A New Decade, Building Hope Together. As Mock steps down, she leaves the organization, founded by left-wing academics and union members and activists and authors who felt there was a need for progressive views in the Canadian Jewish spectrum, a place where supporting the Palestinians isn't automatically condemned as anti-Semitism. J-Space Canada has a lot in common with two other main progressive Jewish groups, the Canadian branches of Peace Now and the New Israel Fund. But unlike them, J-Space is all-volunteer with no paid staff, and has a tiny budget. Coming up, Karen Mock will be here to discuss her legacy and her hopes for the progressive movement in the future. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Jonathan Greenberg in Ottawa, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. Benebrith Canada has complained to the police departments in both Vancouver and in Montreal about some rallies being planned in those cities for this Saturday by supporters of two convicted Palestinian terrorists now serving long sentences in Israeli prisons. 
The organizers of Vancouver's event want Israel to release Ahmad Sadat. He's serving a 30-year term for the murder of an Israeli cabinet minister, and he's also a top official in the banned Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine. The Montreal protesters will be outside the Israeli consulate. B'nai B'rith says the fact that these protests come just days after the Texas synagogue hostage-taking will make Canadian Jews feel even more unsafe. Karen Mock joins me now from her home in Toronto. Congratulations on the milestone of 10 years of JSpace and your own personal milestone with the organization. Very exciting time for you. Thank you. Indeed. Yep. Downsizing in many ways right now. Was that a coincidence that the two happened at the same time? Yes, definitely a coincidence. And I think COVID had something to do with it. And the time had really come. It's time for the next generation to take it over and to pass the torch on. Well, you, let's, let's, let's dig into that a little bit. As you mentioned, the next generation, that was one of your main uh, points, was that it's time for new blood and a younger generation. Do you know what the demographics are of the J-Space sort of followers, membership, uh, compared to you know, what it was when you started? What happened is as soon as we started to have our biennial conferences, we noticed that a lot of young people came up more than usual at the kinds of conferences that you might see when most of the hair is gray. And what has happened in the last few years, we have fully 30% of our board and our supporters are under the age of 30. Having said that, about 30% are active as seniors like me. And then we've got others in between. You may remember in 2018, the study of the Jewish community, the demographic study of the Jewish community and their attitudes. We had Professor Brim come and report on that data at our last conference. And the younger generation are very, very interested in Israel, but at the same time, want to take a progressive stance on Israel, more so than in the community itself. What is the definition of progressive from your point of view? To me, it's a Zionism that refers to and strives for the safety and security of all people in Israel and Palestine with human and civil rights for all. And it recognizes the importance of self-determination and the national inspiration of both Jews and Palestinians. As for the progressive approach, the progressive Zionist approach of J-Space, we still hold dear the promise of Israel as a Jewish and democratic state. And we are committed to seeing Israel live up to its values and its commitments in its declaration of independence. These Jewish young voices who um, are very, uh, not conflicted, but, you know, struggling with the the navigating the, 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 the minefield of supporting Israel at the same time as supporting human rights. My own family around the dinner table in May 2021 during the conflict, lots of disillusionment from 20 something young Jews about Israeli policies, even though they were raised as strong Jews and, and have been to Israel, you know, the whole 
thing. Have you noticed that that's uh, an increase as well since the May conflict, or has this been coming for a while and maybe that was just an accelerator? The Gaza conflict in May and the escalation again was actually what they call the tipping point. So the turning point in that area was Durban and anti-Zionist discourse. I don't say that some forms of anti-Zionism are not, I say that they're not all anti-Semitic, but certainly at its core of what we might call the movement, the anti-Zionist movement or the BDS movement are elements of anti-Semitism for sure. The turning point and the tipping point, because after 20 years of that kind of teaching in universities, the climate that's created and in unions and various other so-called progressive spaces, we had a, a real challenge. And many of the younger generation had not had the background and the education in this area to really stand up to it. I wonder if I could be so bold as to just to quote something from 2017 Canadian Jewish News. When I was interviewed before our conference, the, the, the headline said, conference will be a forum for pro-Israel progressives. And one little paragraph said, Mock hopes that at least a third of those in attendance will be young people who will explore the heated atmosphere on university campuses. Quote, it's why JSpace was created, to help young people in particular who have been silenced on campus to find their voice. They believe in human rights and social justice. They believe in these values, but are not finding a place in those kinds of venues where people are talking about human rights and anti-oppression to speak safely about Israel. And that, again, sums up why JSpace was created, but our audience is not just young people. We were created to help people in workplaces and in unions, and maybe even at the dinner table, to be able to meld those Jewish values with wanting Israel to do better. Now, how much space is there today in Canada's Jewish uh, community for JSpace? When we're talking about the spectrum you know, of organizations, do they make room for you? Does Sija make room for you? Does B'nai B'rith, I mean, you used to work there, but you know, there seems to be a bigger centrist and rightish uh, than, than space for the public discourse and those who take up all the space in terms of media and air. Well, I, for one, after I became very active in, in JSpace, was asked by Sija to be a member and was for four years of the local partnership council. And there are some people at the Sija tables. I mean, they call themselves a big tent and try to reach out. Do people who are, I would say, so-called progressive, because it saddens me when people on the, the right or what you might call the center right seem to vilify that concept. When, as we talked about earlier, it's, it's an outstanding and long time used concept that maybe has the term has been co-opted by others. But 
there is some space. In fact, we even partner with some of the organizations from time to time. We certainly dis don't agree on everything. And when we disagree, we try not to be disagreeable, so to speak. Okay, so a lot of the anti-Israel, anti-Jewish, um, anti-Zionist rhetoric is on social media now, whereas when you guys started, it wasn't such a big thing, right? 10 years ago, even more. But that's where the war is for young people uh, and on campuses as well, on Instagram, et cetera, TikTok. So, uh, you know, how does, how does J-Space move to, as you said, dialogue and fight battles on that grounds, on those grounds? It's another reason why it's time for the old timers who have given their passion and given their all, it's time to move on because many of us don't have all those skills. What keeps you up at night as you prepare to you know, step down from this very important position? What keeps me up at night is, is the fear that with the political upheavals in Israel, that we won't we won't see peace and we won't see an end to the occupation and and that the dream of two states for two peoples isn't realizable i'm i'm not giving up but there are times and i'm a i'm a cockeyed optimist you cannot be in this work if you're not an optimist and you don't believe in change and so that does keep me up at night is is what is the future because I'm one of those who says, if we don't live together, then we're going to die together. And, and that, that is worrisome to me. And the other thing is that the divisiveness in our community, in the diaspora, will also not allow the kind of, of solidarity and strategic approach that is necessary. The big picture, it's the big picture. It's not just who gets the headline, who gets the credit. Oliver Shalom, Lou Ronson, who was one of the founders of B'nai B'rith Canada and the League for Human Rights, and, and um, was a vice chair of the Human Rights Commission, always said to me, he was one of my mentors, and he always said, we could get a lot more done if we didn't worry about who got the credit. So there will be some times that I will be behind the scenes. But it worries me that those who want power in our community or those who feel that their voice should be stronger than anyone else's and continue the divisiveness are three mantras that are or are three main areas that are in our brochures. I guess I shouldn't say brochure anymore. I should send people to the website, <laughs> www.jspacecanadaoneword.ca. But the three pillars of where we stand are progressive Zionism, sustainable peace, negotiated sustainable peace, and Jewish unity. And I hope and I pray uh, that that unity and that strength and that we can persevere, that we won't run out of energy and that the younger generation recognizes that it is all time consuming. Many say, well, I don't have the bandwidth right now to do that. Well, if you don't have the bandwidth, let someone else do it. But we need to find that bandwidth. And I think the only way we can is by utilizing all the resources and all the people that we can. JSpace is an all volunteer organization. We have no staff. That has to change. And 
we have to find a benefactor or we have to have the wider community recognize that we fill a niche that the far left, the far right can't fill. And the proportion, the percentage of the young people who feel more like us is increasing. The data have shown us that. The policies in our community need to be data-driven, not because some group wants power or somebody has some ideology that they want to foist on others, or they only want to take some facts of history and not the whole history. We've got to take a big picture approach and then I can sleep a little better. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Karen Kolodny in Naples, Florida. Not only is she a listener, but she helped us connect with the Canadians making waves in the United Arab Emirates, who you've been hearing on our shows, including Canada's ambassador, Marcy Grossman, and the chief rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda Sarna. And we'll end today's episode with a reminder that Thursday is the 80th anniversary of the Vanasi Conference. In January 1942, near Berlin, 15 high-ranking Nazi officials met to come up with the final solution to murder Europe's 11 million Jews. Adolf Eichmann was there, as was Heydrich, and they never mentioned the word Holocaust, but their strategy was laid out clearly. Fifty years after the end of the war, the luxurious lakeside hotel at Vanasi, where the conference was held, was converted into a museum to teach the world about the evils of the Nazi regime. Here is the former director. Out of the 15 participants of the Wannsee Conference, there were on the one hand the SS men, uh, and on the other hand the civil participants. For example, the Rice Ministry of the Interior, Dr. Stuckert, a man who made all anti-Jewish laws and decrees. The man from the office of the Führer was there. Of course, Eichmann was invited because he was a Jewish expert of the Rice Security Main Office. He was a transportation expert. <laughs> 